Hey folks, in this interview, I get to sit down with the real deal himself, Nikon ambassador, Mr. Joe McNally. This is Twitter. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, you know, I say this all the time, but today I really mean it. You know, I'm, I get to sit down with a photographer who has influenced legions of photographers out there with his work, with his work ethic, with his story, the lighting, just the knowledge of photography. It goes on and on and on. Uh, Joe McNally uh, is... One of those photographers, like I was telling Joe in our little, quote, green room, he's one of those photographers where you mention his name amongst other photographers and an eerie hush falls on the crowd like Darth Vader entered the room. And there's a there's a force there that uh, <laughs> that, that shall not be challenged. Joe McNally, you know, the title of his book that we're going to talk about is the real deal. But Joe McNally is literally the real deal when it comes to photography, photojournalism, commercial photography, all this stuff. Joe. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. How how the heck are you doing? I'm doing fine, Frederick. Thank you very much for the uh, many kind words there. Should I start breathing like Darth Vader? Should I, you know, just... <laughs> you should. You should. Frederick, I am your father. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Frederick, the force is strong with you. Thank you. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, this is great. This is good. So, you know, like like I said at the beginning, we're going to be talking about this a little bit. This is your book. Um, it's out now. It's called The Real Deal, um, subtitled Field Notes from the Life of a Working Photographer, Joe McNally. Who's this book for, Joe? Is this book for the average photographer that wants to get better at photography? Is it a glimpse into your life and the trials and tribulations of some of the stories that you've that happened behind the scenes as a photographer what's it what's the book about yeah it's a good question it's you know my editor and i actually struggled with it you know we, when i was writing and we were discussing it it's like well, okay what is this book exactly because so many photo books are like straight line narratives to a destination like okay how to pose better how to do something better this book is not that it's um it's not a super highway of directed information. I, I liken it more to a country road. It takes uh, an amble. It's, uh, you know, or, or a ramble, I guess you should say. And uh, a meander could also be applied through the life of a working photographer. And there's a lot of information for photographers of all, you know, different genres and stages of their life, be they professional or amateur. It's uh, honest. And it talks about the ups, the downs, the failures, the successes, the strategies, et cetera. And the material is generally speaking presented anecdotally. In other words, couched in the story of a location shot or uh, the story of a failure or the story of some uh, shoot that was going off the rails and then you pulled it back on. Lots of lessons uh, photographically, not only about the technique of photography, but the life of photography. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a, we were talking about that a little bit as well. Just the, the, on the life side of photography over the years, being a good photographer and going after the shots and, or going to the shots, skating to where the puck is going to be, that takes a toll, right? I mean, it's, it's not being a, a photographer, especially one operating at your level. It's not an easy gig. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like what, like what kind of wear and tear gets put on you as a photographer constantly going out there and being on the road and, and getting these great shots and all that pressure? 
there's a lot of uh, pressure associated across the board, pressure from yeah. the client, uh, you know, to pressure to do well, obviously, uh, financial pressure, you know, that your, your next gig is never uh, completely certain. And then there's the physicality of being a photographer, going location to location, airplane after airplane, gear, hauling, uh, moving, climbing, all of that sort of stuff, uh, you know, is perhaps not talked about all that much, uh, but it's a very real presence. Photography is this thing. It's an art and a craft, right? And it winds itself around your life in very powerful and, and hopefully positive ways. You know, there's lots of folks out there like, well, I do this during the week, but on the weekend, you know, I go out and I do motocross or I mm -hmm. sail a boat or something like that. You know, that's how I get my yayas out. I think for many photographers, most, I would imagine, it's this is it, you know, seven days a week. You know, we photograph to work, we photograph to relax, you know, and I always, you know, I, I've shot dance you know, uh, photography for a long time, you know, in the background of other things I've done. And I always remember there's a famous quote from George Balanchine, the legendary choreographer. He always said, I don't want dancers. I don't, I don't need dancers who want to dance. I, I want dancers who need to dance. Mm. And I think for photographers, we need to photograph whether we're in repose or working hard. You know, we, we run when others walk. You know, we're working on weekends when others have time off and we love doing it because it's a very, very passionate endeavor. You think that's a learned trait? Is it learned? Can you learn to have that fire and the desire to 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 have that pull to go out and create photos? Or if you don't have it, you just don't have it and you should find something else to do. Wow, that's a <laughs> Frederick, you're good. You're good. You know? <laughs> it's what I do, Joe. It's what I do. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I'm going to quote De Niro and what is it? Analyze this. You, you, my friend, you got a gift. You got a gift. Um, you know. Um, <laughs> I need a clip of that. You got a gift. <laughs> you know, I think that for me, you know, and you can extrapolate this in any way you want. When I first really seriously picked up a camera I knew immediately. It felt comfortable in my hands and I thought to myself, I don't know, without even really knowing the first thing about it, I thought to myself, I can do this. And I don't know how I felt that, but it was intuitive and it felt natural. The camera just felt natural in my hands. And there's also the other kind of underlying thing is that I, instantly or in my first classes photographically i realized wow this could keep me out of an office because yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm no good in an office I, i'm just not an office person you know i drift i'm like a balloon my wife is constantly reeling me back in um and uh the it can you learn to be passionate about something yes i think you can i think it it stems from life experience and it stems from um maybe many situations I've met with people who have taken workshops with me or something is that they've, they want to turn on another side of their brain. And once that is turned on via the making of pictures, then they're, they're full bore. They, you know, they can't shut that back down, you know? So yeah, I think once you're bitten by the bug, there's no turning back. And then once that, once you're bitten by that bug, right. And then that's just the beginning, right? So how, how do you, 
how do you get to the point where you're creating the, the level of work? I mean, obviously you gotta, you know, get your, your shutter finger kind of exercise and, you know, take lots of shots and understand what you're doing. But the, the concept of the photos, let's take commercial out of it, right? So it's not a client that says, hey, Joe, we need a shot of this car on the salt flats doing this. That's out of it. If you're just Joe McNally and you're on, you just want to go do some shots because you're feeling that burning desire, where does that come from? Is it, do you, does Joe have a list of like, okay, when I have some time, I'm going to do this shot. And when I have more time, I'm going to do this shot. Or is it more serendipitous? You're watching a movie and you're like, hey, that would make a great shot. I'm going to execute that. Like how do, where do the ideas come from that aren't driven by, you know, uh, commercial? Yeah, that's, uh, again, good line of, of inquiry, really, because everybody's process is different. Mine is not a particularly organized process at all. No, I don't have check marks in a book or anything like that. I ruminate. I, I imagine um, the, you know, the phrase, what if, you know, what if we put a camera on this? Or what if I was able to get over there? Or, or you know, so you, you start with the imaginative process the the kind of wild ass thought you know um and then say wow maybe i can make a picture of that i the the frontispiece to the book it's just a blank page with two sentences on it two sentences on it in bold type and it said it says i imagined a life and then i took pictures of it mm. so i have a pretty active imagination i read a lot of comic books when i was a kid I went to five different grammar schools, which is actually good preparation to become a photographer because you're always the new kid. Yeah. And I read epics and adventures and, and fantasies and stories and comic books. And I know that influenced my, my color palette, uh, my, my camera uh, point of view, um, you know, heroic poses and, and action and strong, vivid color. You know, sometimes I, I wish I could quiet it down, but it just that never happens you know I, uh, I just chew on ideas and sometimes things come from as you say you know i mentioned comic books but also movies i remember i saw uh water for elephants when reese witherspoon laid down on um on an elephant in the movie i believe it was and i went to lynn my amazingly patient studio manager who's been with me for 30 years and she's a marvelous producer she's actually working on two large projects for us now which we'll shoot in march assembling the bits and pieces and i went to her and i said i i, I just made a screen grab of it and i said this feel you see the feel the light and next thing you know we were in florida and we thankfully we had a, a big budget job and we built a circus tent an old-time circus tent Wow. And that's where that came from was a split second. And sometimes on location, too, you can be, you know, walking with, the, you know, the usual scout and something just glimmers in your eye mm -hmm. like, oh, and, and it, you can't, you know, your head gets pulled for a second. And it's like that. That's where we're starting right over there. You Are know. you the photographer that always has a camera with you no matter what? Like you're out to dinner, there's a photographer or camera sitting on the chair next to you? No, no, I, I, I take it with me frequently, but not all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, sort of in the early days of, I think we weren't recording, we were talking about the old SB24 speed lights, and, and I remember distinctly, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but there was, I think it was a video or a photo series of you lighting a jet 
or something with a bunch of speed lights. And I, yeah, it was a video because I remember that was the first time I heard you use the term voice activated light stand, <laughs> which is <laughs> so. So we're so bringing it to 2022 where we are now. That was back in the teens, right? We're in 2022 now. Um, how has that stuff changed? How has your approach to lighting and light changed with the evolution of artificial lighting solutions like the SB series and whatever else we have available to us today? Yeah, the the progress has been astonishing. And the technology yeah. we have available to us now as photographers is off the charts. And we live in this golden age. I mean, Nikon just came out with the Z9. You know, I had to I had D850s. I still have them. I thought, well, this is it. This is the best camera I'm ever going to use. And then the Z9 comes out and that's a better camera, you know, more, more rounded technologically, more, more, um, tuned up, you know, I, I don't even know the exact words to express it, but we have these cameras now that we can single-handedly express our imaginations in ways that we simply could not have done back in the days of F2s and F3s or or certainly would have taken a lot of work and a lot of guesswork. That's the thing that uh, impresses me about the technology. You just mentioned the SB24. Mm -hmm. That was an era of TTL flash technology that was very uncertain. And now we have the SB5000 and we have the Pro Photos, the A10s, the B10 Plus Xs and all this TTL fast recycle, radio controlled stuff. So the certainty of approach is so much higher now. The confidence that you can go out into the field with that you will wrestle this thing to the ground because you've got these technology tools that are at your service. That's pretty amazing. I mean, shooting film, 36 exposure film, you know, you wrap that cassette up and, you know, with Kodachrome and National Geographic, you know, I'd wait, you know, uh, two or three weeks before I you know, I, I would get word from my editor that everything looked good or something like that. You know, yeah. now that instantaneous access to amazing technology, I think, has bolstered the confidence of photographers everywhere. Yeah. Do we do we not as photographers, do we not know what we're missing? Like you, you mentioned with the DA50, right? You that was it. You know, I remember back in the day it was that after it was, oh, I have a I think that my first my first pro level camera was a, a Nikon F3. You remember those? So oh, yeah. I, I had, a, you know, with the with the screw on battery grip or the, you know, the, the motor drive and all that on there. Um, yeah. So you and I thought that camera was how could it get better than this? It's amazing. Look at all this stuff that this camera can do. And now we have the Z9. What's next like what are we missing you know seeing into the future or being able to capture dark matter <laughs> like what, what what are we missing in these cameras you know i mean obviously focusing speeds can get better and all that but is there are there any features that you're you just wish you had that aren't there in the z9 you know uh, i have to say people might look at this you know with a you know a scans or maybe you say oh you know he's just blowing smoke. Um, yeah. I'm not really, I, I'm a bit of a simpleton when it comes to cameras. Mm. There's a very famous British war photographer named Donald McCullen, a member of Magnum, and I've always admired his work. He said one of the best things ever about cameras. He said, I only use a camera like I use a toothbrush. It gets the job done. Yeah. yeah. And now the Z9 is a hell of a toothbrush, <laughs> you know, um, but, um, you know, I, 
every iteration of the technology, I say to myself, how much better is this going to get? You know, and sure, there's little refinements that you could maybe add to the present packages that we have, but I don't choose to dwell on that. There's a lot of, um, you know, um, you know, crying and well, not crying. What am I, what's the right word to say? Just like debate, you know, yeah. and and um, pixel you know, peeping, so, complaining, you know, all that. Forth, <laughs> yeah, you name it. Um, and and that's fine. You know, people get involved in the technology and the shape of the pixel does not matter to me. The end result or the ultimate mission of photography is to tell a good story. And no matter how much technology we have, that's still a very hard mission. And that's what I choose to focus on. And so uh, the Z9 has a roster of things that I'm still just getting used to that are enabling me to hopefully press forward and tell good stories. So I got no complaints. I really yeah. got no complaints. So the, the flip side of that is, since you have that Z9, what, what are some of the favorite things or some of the more surprising things that, uh, that are present in that body that you weren't expecting? The ergonomics? Is it the menu? Is it focusing, tracking? Like, what are some things in there that a Joe McNally or someone operating at your level was surprised by? Sure. Um, you mentioned ergonomics. I yeah. mean... I, I shot the Tokyo games. I shot them all on uh, D6, which is flagship DSLR. And I've always liked uh, a robust camera in my hands, especially when I'm using long glass. The Z6, Z7 series of cameras are wonderful cameras, amazing technology and a small form factor. But you pop that onto the back of a 600, you know, there's not a lot to hang on to. So mm -hmm. I was really happy that the Z9 uh, is kind of this uh, marriage, really, of DSLR flagship uh, build with mirrorless technology. There's a lot to handle with this camera. It gives you leverage. It gives you feel very connected to it and the way it's designed. Um, the other thing is, I mean, apart from the autofocus, the autofocus is astonishing. The eye detect is remarkable. All those things that you've heard about you know, on the airwaves about photography of late. But to me, a real revelation was uh, never losing sight of my subject. The mechanical shutter is gone. And so no matter how you are exposing, you know, you're banging along at, you know, 20 frames a second, which is another unheard of number as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and you never lo use, lose sight of your subject. It's amazing, you know, and I find that to be valuable, not only out there in the field, but even in the studio, because you're you're able to see those nuances, those split seconds in between the moments, you know, and your subjects are right there with you all the time. And I thought that was the first time I had ever experienced that in all these years of shooting. And that was kind of a, a it seems like a small thing, but it's a revelation to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many little bits. Like I, I mentioned to you before we started recording, I recently picked up the the, the Nikon Z62, which I'm in that uh, sort of honeymoon period with, you know, and understanding the camera, being kind of diving into it, and and understanding what its limitations are and capabilities. It's just a magical. The system is just, you know, it's just magical when it comes to still photography. I can't I can't say enough about it. And that 24 to 70 f2.8 is what I have mounted on it. So. Very excited about that. Um, you know, when you when you dive in and 
you, or in other words, let me rephrase that. So if I'm a, I'm a photographer, I'm coming to you, you know, and I'm, I've read the book. I've been following Joe McNally. I've been on the website, joemcnally.com. Um, and I want to do work similar to what you're doing or operate at your level. And I'm new. I'm just getting into this. How would you instruct me, you know, as a mentor? Would you say, go get X camera, take these courses at this website, go take a trip and do a workshop. What what are the steps to go from, I'm really interested in photography, I wanna get better in in a Joe McNally direction. How would I go about doing that? Accept uh, the fact, first of all, first off, that it's a long road, you know, yeah. uh, and patience is required. And then identify what really motivates you. Uh, are you motivated by the human face? Are you motivated by sports? Are you motivated by uh, documenting the joys of families and weddings? Where, where are your interests? The other thing that I have always advocated and has been powerful for me is to do a lot of reading and dive into the history of this field and look at a lot of pictures that have gone before. I have a very large library of photo books at home. And I find them an ongoing source of inspiration. And so I look at some of those truly amazing photographers and the work that they did in the years that have gone by. And I that has formed a base for me of kind of what motivates me visually. What where where do I want to go in in this realm? Because you know you're by and large talking about a freelance industry, so. You know, the, I always liken my my Joe McNally photography to this old jalopy. You know, it doesn't go very fast, but I, I can drive it wherever I want. That's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. thing, you know. And if I want to pursue dance photography, if I want to pursue special effects, if I want to pursue sports, I can collect myself and drive in that direction. So starting small, being patient. And, you know, the 10,000 hours rule is very, mm-hmm. uh, very real here. You know, the more you do this, the better you will get. And education is not to be underestimated. There's educational alternatives all over the place, mm-hmm. apart from, you know, going to a university or a, a, a long and expensive program. There are options, you know, uh, for education. You know, uh, the Kelby Group, for instance, has lots of, of uh, information there well presented. Um, you know, there are photographers who run consistent sort of lessons. You know, Dave Black has his workshops at the ranch. He has an archive. Uh, David Hobby at Strobist, if you're interested in Flash, I think still has his archive of like, uh, I think it's called Boot Camp, you know, Flash Boot yeah. Camp. Yep. Uh, so, you know, the, the basics are important. I, I firmly believe that. The automated cameras will just run you into the ground. So you have to be careful of that because you take it out of the box and wow, I'm making pictures. I got this thing on P and I'm pointing it at things and everything looks pretty good. Okay, let's calm down. You gotta know basics. You gotta have a firm you know, uh, you know, foundation if you want to take this and, and build it into a real uh, satisfying career that has emotional resonance and and a power to it shooting one picture nowadays that's good anybody can do it literally anybody can do it the technology is right there but shooting year after year and producing a seaworthy collection of pictures editorially powerful things that people notice 
things that people pay attention to and telling good stories year after year after year is a long, tough slog. And you have to get ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're scaring me, Joe. I'm going to put my camera down. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, All this crazy. work. What's this work stuff you're talking about? Nobody's told me there was work involved. He says, press the shutter and be done with it, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, but it's joyous. It's joyous. Yeah. You know, we are, are um, you know, joyful versions of Sisyphus. You know, we will never get the rock to the top of the hill. But there's real joy in trying. Yeah, you know, especially especially that one picture, you know, that you might you might shoot, you know, thousands of frames over the course of like two or three weeks or whatever. I'm just speculating. And and you just get down on yourself like none of this stuff is any good. But then you can turn a corner, literally, and there's good light. And maybe there's some kids, you know, playing soccer or something in the street. And you just kind of put your camera to your eye. And it's absolutely magic. Yeah. And you can grab those pictures almost like it's a, like they're talismans, you know, they're like, they're, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I can really do this. And that becomes the wind in your sails for many moons thereafter. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that, that comes up a lot on this week in photo is the, the idea or the question of specialization. And should you specialize as a photographer? Should you pick a genre and stick to it? Or should you should light be your genre? In other words, yeah, I can light falls on the Olympics, I can be an Olympic photographer, or light falls on dance, I could be a dance photographer, or light falls on product, I could be a product photographer. I understand F stop shutter speed and ISO and composition, therefore I can apply that to a variety of subjects. That's one mindset. The other mindset is do one thing be known as being the best at that one thing, burn a hole in it like a magnifying glass on a leaf, and you will be successful. Where do you fall on that? Should photographers specialize or should they generalize? Uh, hard questions, Joe. Hard, hard questions. Hard questions. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't tell me about this going in here, Frederick. You didn't say I'd be like pinned like a butterfly to the wall, like, you know. I'm in Joe, Oprah mode, man. Come on. Photography. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm the Oprah of photography. Come on. <laughs> no, um, there's, you know, and this sounds like a dodge. It's not really everybody's path is unique. Mm -hmm. I'm a generalist. I remain resolutely a generalist because I really don't have any other choice at this point. You know, so that is, you know, I do, you know, uh, I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And I've always been interested in the kind of, global you know offerings you know like oh yeah like uh, i'll go to sea you know and with a ship and that'd be cool and then i'll climb this building or then i'll shoot this portrait and then i'll do some studio work so i've been managed to put together this kind of um patchwork quilt of a career it's not been a steady straight line at all but nowadays are different uh, I used to advocate for young photographers. The very first thing you should do is go get a job in a newspaper, mm -hmm. become a staff photographer at a newspaper, because you'll go through hell and you'll get thrown lots of jobs that stink and you'll have to innovate your way through. It really gets your, your grounding going. Your pins are under you. You know, as a newspaper shooter, it's a great learning tool. That's not available to in, in the, at the level it used to be. Um, so now I think identifying a certain interest and going after that interest is perhaps more the the way to go you know because if you jump into weddings for instance 
and say, well, I'll do a few weddings a year. You're up in the wedding market against people who are doing lots of weddings a year, right. who are passionate about it and very, very good at it. So being a part-time approach to something where someone else, your competition is driving that train like crazy seven days a week, you're probably not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to choose a, a, at this point in this marketplace, I think you have to choose a direction and really, really apply yourself to becoming as best as you can be in that particular genre. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that goes to the, the next thing would be the importance of social and, and letting that drive your work and drive the things. In other words, you know, we've had these commercials or these uh, conversations on This Week in Photo where some photographers will say they'll sh- the, the, the work that they produce is directly related to the response that they get on Instagram or wherever they're posting. So you're kind of shooting for the thumbs up or shooting for the likes because if, oh, I feed the, I feed the, uh, the koi pond this kind of bread and they go crazy, but not so much when I feed them this kind of bread. I'm going to feed them more of that. And that drives the work. Should, where do you, I mean, should that, I mean, it's valid, right? Because if you have a gallery show and no one shows up, then that's one thing. But if you do a gallery show of a different kind of work and everyone shows up, obviously you should do more of that kind of work. What do you think as an, as an artist, you know, taking all commercial and money out of it, but as an artist, how should photographers kind of guide themselves? Should they be influenced by social and, you know, public opinion, or should it just be, you know what, this is my singular vision. I am an artist and I feel like I need to do a photo story on X and that's what I'm going to do. What do you think? I think your best uh, pictures will result from you following your nose and your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's that old uh, damn torpedoes full speed ahead kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think if you craft your, uh, I mean, everybody plays the social game. I think it's a necessary thing, uh, you know, and you might be out there on social media as being, you know, a presence that is encouraging or, or, you know, uh, offering up a variety of different work. And you have to accept the vagaries of that, that some people will like it and some people will not. Uh, I think the bottom line is do good work, present good work. If at the end of the day, you can feel good about what you achieved and what you posted and what you shot, then that's a good day. You know, Jay Maisel always used to tell me he would do a corporate job for lots and lots of money. And then he would come back to the bank where he lived down on the Bowery for many years. And he'd go up to his roof and just shoot sunsets just to feel clean. You know, so I think your your um, photographic heart should be preserved at all costs. Your enthusiasm, your love for this. And you can't let maybe naysayers or lack of attendance kind of destroy that. You know, I also, I also think about like self projects, and and you you may know Julianne Cost from uh, from Adobe. Julie Julianne and I had a conversation a while back about the importance of self projects and assigning yourself self projects, not only for portfolio building, but also you know as an exercise to get better as an artist. Do you subscribe to that as well? And do, do you are you giving yourself self projects from time to time? If so, what what kind? Yes, I mean. What I thankfully, hopefully can do is I decide on a quote unquote a project and uh, I write proposals and I try to monetize the idea. Uh, 
mm. and get some backing for it, you know, um, so that I can more fully get, because I, I think kind of uh, ambitiously, I guess you could say, you know, when I'm thinking up, dreaming up ideas and I can't self-fund everything I do. Um, occasionally I do. You know, occasionally I'm just I'm just saying, heck with it. I'm going to go do this, whether, you know, anybody wants to pay me for it or not. And and there are, there are threads that you can establish that you can revisit over time. Or a really powerful thing is to do uh, is to incorporate your interests into an ongoing uh, funded project. I used to do that with geographic. You know, uh, I had a story for geographic once on human performance. It was their millennial celebration of the human body that coincided with the Australia Olympics down in Sydney. And I photographed athletes and, you know, uh, Olympians, et cetera. But I also was able to, because my editor gave me the leeway, I was able to incorporate other sort of whimsical ideas into the idea of performance, uh, dance, for instance, I feel is a very elevated state of human performance. So I did a dance photograph that was not assigned to me, but Geographic funded it and they loved it and they published it. Uh, I did, um, I wanted to illustrate strength and bodybuilding and I thought, well, coiled strength, how could I illustrate coiled strength? So I, I rented, <laughs> you can do this in Los Angeles, I rented two 18 foot um, Burmese pythons and I got the number three bodybuilder in the world at the time, Chris Cormier, to come into the studio. And we shot it in the studio with this giant snake wrapped around him, uh, which he was sort of dubious about, but he did it. Um, <laughs> and uh, Geographic ran that as well. A total surprise. I didn't even tell my editor I was shooting them. You know, so uh, I think if that's maybe Nirvana, is if you can find a genre of work that brings you places that you're p potentially passionate about. Um, spend a couple of, do a workshop or something, and then spend a couple extra days and really direct yourself into something that you really want to do. There's all sorts of ways of doing it, but bottom line is, yes, you have to feed your eye. Uh, and that requires sometimes you just stepping up and driving your own project and funding it yourself. Oh, I love that. I was trying to write that down before you finish. Feed your eye. I'm going to use that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll wrap up with this, Joe. The, um, and I know a lot of photographers, we, you know, photographers, I think part of the DNA structure is talking about gear. And what are you shooting with? What lens did you use to shoot that with? What app did you use to process that? Where are you posting it? All those sorts of things. Um, I'm not so much curious about that. I'm more curious about your approach to t going out on an assignment. And is it, you know, slot one, which is Joe has... The, his current 22 loadout of gear, a bag, you know, maybe a backup version identical of that bag, but you have a bag of stuff that you take with you. And with that bag and what's in that bag, you can accomplish a Joe McNally level of work. Or is it more A-team style where you know you're going out on a mission and you go into your sort of matrix room of weapons and you pick the right things for that particular assignment and when you come back you put them back on the shelf and go what does it look like in joe mcnally world <laughs> frederick i think you and i are in the same boat we've both seen way too many movies i know um, <laughs> totally <laughs> you know um you know i get jobs that are big and small you know yeah, all yeah. over the lot you showed a few images of the z9 Mm -hmm. uh, camera, the marketing campaign out on El Mirage. 
and that's a big job. You know, uh, lots of gear, lots of rental gear, Winnebago's uh, crew of uh, maybe a dozen or so, talent, uh, hair, makeup, styling, you name it. Uh, that's out on, that's at that level, you know, uh, but I don't work at that level all the time. You know, I did a thing for uh, a camera store recently where I did a series of, of images and I called it a walk with one light because I wanted to drive home the point that you don't need a lot of gear. And so I just took a subject, an interesting subject, and we walked around New York City with one light, you know, and it was fun. You know, so I think what you have to do is tailor your pack to uh, to the job at hand. Yeah. I mean, my basics are always that I have, you know, at least two cameras, sometimes more. Um, the holy trinity of lenses, 14, 24, 24, 70, 70, 200, that covers a lot of the bases. And then there's other ones that would factor in as well. But, you know, a small measure of, of uh, small flash. And then, uh, you know, I use Profoto for the bigger flash, if you will, you know, the, the B, uh, the B10 pluses are, are, are excellent units. And so, you know, if we go out into the road with, uh, four or five bags of stuff, um, I pretty much feel we can get just about anything done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the, uh, yeah. Four or five bags of stuff for Jill McNally whittles down to one bag for Frederick Van Johnson, <laughs> one bag with a couple things in it that, you know, we make it work. Um, you know, the, uh, the, I guess the, the final kind of landing gear down question would be around the, how this works in your world. Your world is different than a lot, than most photographers, I would argue that, that aren't operating at a sort of a high commercial level, but on a post-production side of things, once a job is done, let's say it's one of your, your, your self-assigned yet funded, you know, uh, self-assignment projects. Who's doing the post-production on that? Is it Joe McNally from Shutterclick all the way through to final delivery? Or do you have a team you hand it off to that kind of understands the kind of look that you want and are tuned in and they can pull that out? How does, how does that work after the Shutterclick? Well, for many years, you know, I had um, my crew chief, um, you know, Michael Callie, just left right before the pandemic, you know, fell in love, you know, got engaged and married now. It's wonderful. He lives down in Virginia. Nice. And so then the pandemic hit. So I haven't hired a new new crew chief or a new first assistant. But Callie was very good uh, at at retouching. And so I relied on him for that. But the beauty, small silver lining, let's call it that, of the pandemic was time at home where I really learned a lot about Capture One. And I feel very comfortable with that program. So now, like the book that you showed there, The Real Deal, I did a lot of the retouching on those pictures myself, which wow. is a new found for me because I never really paid too much attention to retouching and Photoshop for me was always the deep end of the pool. Yeah. Uh, if we are doing fashion where we need an elevated uh, skill set, then yes, um, you know, I, I, I farm that out professionally, you know, and, and we use someone who really knows what they are doing and can do skin work, which are, is absolutely beyond my skill set. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. Capture one. Well, yeah. And we use, I mean, we use solstice retouching, you know, uh, just amazing, very talented, very talented. I know those and, folks. Yeah. Yeah and a uh, great relationship and um yeah that really tuned in to we have a lot of discussion but yeah like fine you know that fine detail work on skin fashion that that's an art form unto itself and i, I don't is. approach 
Yeah, you remember back in the day, day, imagine doing skin work without Capture One or Photoshop. That I can't imagine how those magicians made that work happen back then, because that was, you know, it was, it was something else, it was something else. So Joe, I wanna, I wanna let's uh, wrap up with what's next for Joe McNally? What are you, what's, what's the next trip? What's the next project? Where are you taking that, that Z9 next on the planet? Well, I got a, a big job in March uh, that we're assembling right now, and the bits and pieces are coming together production-wise. And hopefully, you know, I have a, um, you know, a, a Zoom this week with uh, an ad agency for a, a fairly sizable pharma shoot. TBD. We'll see what happens. But in terms of like, you know, excursions and knowing where I'm going next, uh, uh, wine country. Oh. <laughs> That's my yeah. neighborhood. Yeah, Napa. <laughs> yeah, going out to Napa in, um, you know, in uh, April, May-ish time and uh, have two weeks out there. First week of that, those workshops are full, but the second week has a few few openings, you know. So, you know, come on out. We're going to do some lighting. We're going to do some landscape work. And we uh, will have a wonderful time. You know, because yeah. I just came out of the uh, of the out of the Amazon uh, rainforest. I was in Ecuador for the last two weeks, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful, fantastic group of people, fantastic trip. But wine country will be let's call it a little more accessible yeah. than, than the yeah. Amazon River. And, yeah, few, uh, fewer fewer uh, animals out there too. I'm thinking <laughs> easier going. You know, yeah. so there'll be a lot of great learning, and uh, we got that. It's it's on a, on our uh, on our website, listed on our website. So. Okay, excellent. All right, Joe McNally, I'll leave it right there. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for coming on, and congratulations on the real deal available at fine bookstores everywhere, Amazon included. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, are you is real deal two in progress already, or is that, is that on no. the whiteboard? No, we're we're standing down on the writing front for a little bit. Yeah, so, I hear you. Yeah, it takes a lot out of you. One up and running, and um, initial reports are people are enjoying it, so I'm happy for that. Okay. All right. Joe McNally, thank you so much. Nikon ambassador extraordinaire, the real deal on this week in photo. Thanks, sir. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Frederick. Uh, honored to be invited. This is Twitter.